G'day and welcome to the latest edition of the Red uh, Duck and Rico's Red Dirt Podcast where we'll talk everything off-road and off-grid. This week we'll take a look at Ludwig Leichhardt. Not sure all about who he is, but I'm sure Rico will tell us all about that. We'll talk about a popular holiday spot that is under threat, um, and it's a big one too, And uh, so we want to uh, have a look at that. We'll also catch up with a mate of ours, Pat Callanan, for a chat, and as usual, we'll also get sidetracked and lost, and we'll talk about anything, really. Just about anything. So grab yourself a cold one, kick back and spend some time with us two knockabout blokes. Let's get right into it now. Rick, uh, g'day, mate. G'day, mate. Are you travelling? Mate, I'm going okay. Here we are. We're doing it. We're just we kicking back for another week. How's your week been, mate? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Uh, pretty cruisy. How about yourself? Yeah, oh, a bit going on, but uh, no, not too bad at all. And uh, just um, getting ready. I'm trying to, not that I'm switching off at all or anything like that, but I certainly am um, looking forward to that Christmas period that's right upon us now. Yeah, mate, I'm the same. I'm just absolutely itching. Are you, still, are you still going to go to... Um, Cam- um, Cameron Corner? Yeah. Oh, I'm tossing up, mate. Not yeah. sure. So you're backing out? Uh, look, you talked I, it up uh, last week. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, uh, fair enough. I've got no idea. I, I'm, I'm still on the Mal Allen no plan. Yep. That's the no plan plan. And uh, so um, I'll just uh, see what happens. But like I say, I've got the accommodation out there. Hook her up and just go wherever. I reckon I'll head north. I'll get myself around the Gold Coast for a few days at least and then work my way back down and I will definitely spend some time at Wiseman's. Although, in saying that, there's a bit of a bit of a threat of Wiseman's not even being open. The ferries, I think, are closed. There's fires still yeah, that's um, right. threatening in that area and causing havoc. So uh, certainly um, we're, all pl- we're playing it by ear. And I think, um, I know you, you sound selfish when you sort of think, you know, get, a, get away from the smoke and... You got to think about the people on the front line. Oh, absolutely! What uh, what a bunch of troopers those blokes are. Eh? Yeah, exactly right. We spoke about it on the radio this week, and the thing with it, it's not just them. It's the people who turn up with the you know the sandwich platters and the drinks and the you know the the tray of cakes and yeah, and their, other things. You their know, families. Yeah, um, there's a lot of people involved. So um, for those of you that are out there doing it, we certainly do wish you well. But, uh, yeah, no, but look, and just before we get stuck into this today, Rico, I just want to say to people, we've, I've been receiving, um, I'm sure you have, but I won't, I, I, you can say, you can comment if you like, but I've been receiving a lot of emails about why, where are you on the Off-Road Adventure Show? Because they, uh, I was inundated with email. I had a few um, the first week. How long has it been on? Two, two weeks? Yeah, a couple of weeks, mate. A couple look, of weeks. I've had... A squillion messages yeah. on social media. Yeah, no, I've had nothing on social media. It's mainly just people emailing um, the, the podcast and actually even emailing my radio program. Uh, for those of you, Rico made a decision a while back to um, move in another direction, which he's done. Um, no, he's, he's, I don't think he'll be back on this year anyway. So, uh, But for all of those people, that's what's happening there. Just get onto Rico's Facebook page and stand by for updates on what he's up to. But... Um, Look, and also the radio that that certainly has nothing to do with um, with me. So, um, if you want to email Rico, message him through his page or whatever. Yeah. And, and Look, I just want to set way. the record straight a little bit there as well because there's um, there's been a, a a few people saying, you know, what's happened? Have you fallen out with the guys? That's not the case at all. You know, I'm I'm still great mates with Jamie and the rest of the crew. Uh, always will be, no reason mm. not to be. But uh, I've got some other adventures in mind that I would like to do. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to go and do. No, good stuff. So for those of you that are that are emailing, that is the story. Uh, Rico is um, 
stand by for his latest project because it's not too far away, and we'll certainly yeah, tell you. That's right. Certainly tell you about that here. And um, been a long time coming and, now, and mate. We'll, and we'll probably be lucky to be even. Be, we'll just still do it, but once you set off on, on what you're doing, uh, it'll be a bit like me and Ruthie. It's going to put the stretch on how we're going here to get together to do the podcast. But, oh, maybe you should just come with us, mate. But, yeah, I would, but I've got a few other things on the go too, which is, uh, and that's the thing. I mean, we basically, we, we both do our separate things here and we just get together once a week to do the podcast. So, um, but anyway, as we'll just do that as long as we can and at this stage it's indefinite and we're enjoying doing it. But uh, for those of you that have been sending me emails, that is a story. Rick has decided to move on into another direction, which you'll hear about very, very soon, and we certainly will tell you all about that. Tell you what, shaping up to be pretty cool too. Yeah, I know. Well, oh, I am what so you've told excited, me, mate. Bits of it you've told me. Uh, it certainly will be. A, it'll be great. So people are going to be for a bit of a treat. So if you're a fan of Rico, stand by because he certainly has got. Yeah, so both he, both of you. He'll have. Yeah, he'll have some. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That person that's out there who's <laughs> e- who's emailed me three hundred and fifty times. Thanks, mum. Uh, yeah, is that who it is? <laughs> Mum wouldn't know what an email was, mate. I wouldn't say three hundred. I've got to say that I have received a lot of emails for that, and uh, and like I say, um, I don't see Rico at all daily. We don't. We speak twice a week, once on the radio, and once when he gets here, we sit down for five minutes and put the podcast podcast together. And you can tell it's only been five minutes preparation, <laughs> and uh, and then he drives. He he basically drives out and. I don't see him again until next week. So, um, but so yeah. But anyway, just get onto Rico's Facebook page for all that. There now, mate. We're um, one thing I want to talk about. You're going to talk about Ludwig Leichhardt, and the yep. one thing I want to talk about this week, which I failed to mention to you in our little preempt thing, is Tungara Lakes, the entrance, New South Wales Central Coast. Yep, beautiful it, part of the world. It is, but there's massive dramas up there. What's going on? Well, the lake is basically dying. Yep. It is filling up. It's silting up. There's nothing being done about it. I've had I've been inundated with correspondence from people up there, and we'll probably touch on this on the radio. We don't um, get too controversial here, but that's a great holiday spot, great oh, camping mate. spot. There are caravan parks. There are small businesses there that are um, surviving. You know, it's hard to survive in an area like that. It, it's been a mecca it, for holidays. It, yeah, I know, but but it's a it's more of a, a tourist thing. I mean, in winter time, it can you can struggle. Well, mate, they're going to struggle in summertime because the the lake needs dredging. I'm not sure if you've driven past the channel there. We used to ride our jet skis out through that channel. Yeah. Well, I mean, not... you drive a four-wheel drive across there now. I mean, it is that. Really? And what's happening is the lake's filling up. There's no fresh water going in and out with the yeah, with the no tide. Good. No good. Well, I'm telling you now, you'd be a brave man to eat anything you caught in there. Yeah, mate. We, as young blokes, we used to fish there all the time. Yeah, prawning. Yep. All that. Oh, mate, it's just all under threat now. Even And the reason that... We'll bring this up and we'll talk about it a little bit more, is that there's a boat hire shed there at the entrance. It's, it's old school. I don't yeah. know how long it's been there, but geez, I can remember going there as a kid. It was there then. Um, someone will, might may email us and tell us, and we'll tell you about their email in a minute. But but it's, it, I think they're going to close the doors. Wow, that's sad. That is so sad. Terrible. Well, mate, I saw an aerial shot of it, uh, a photo that was taken from a drone, and the water looked six inches deep past the boat hire place. Gee whiz. I mean, mate, for God's sake, common sense has to prevail here. Um, and, and you know, you get people blaming the EPA and you get people blaming the Greenies and nobody who's to blame. Someone f- make a decision and fix it. Yeah. It is a massive to What it needs is it needs another inlet. Is it a council thing? Is it a well, government thing? Well, I'm sure thing? that well, there has been council meetings about it. 
So uh, you know, and I'm not, I so you know, obviously we'll get some more information and get into that. But I mean, you haven't got to be too smart to work out if you dr- just go for a drive, go to the entrance. So the, when I say the entrance, the actual channel itself. Yep. And look at the lack of water flow in and out with the tide. And that will, you don't have to be too smart to work out that that's not good. No, that's right. Well, and and that's, this is the other thing, the stench of it. Now, I, yeah. I know at North Entrance, some parts of that, some parts of that lake, is that sealed up with the mud and the weed, and then the, and what happens is there's some black swans that get on there, and they sort of eat the root of the weed, and 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 then the weed just floats up on top of the water. It's not a really good place for jet skis, for that reason, for the weeds, because weeds are sort of like the Natural enemy to jet skis, but fair income. I mean, the stench is just oh mate, it's terrible. I'm just looking at some pictures online of it now, and I can see exactly what you're talking about with uh, with the boat shed. Yeah, so we'll get into that. We'll talk about that. We're also um, going to talk to Pat Callanan today. Yeah, it's right, old mate Pat. Um, we've been mates for a very long time, Pat and I, and I know that you and you and Pat get along pretty well too. Mm. So, um, yeah. Actually, I've got a big question for Pat. We, he, I met up with him at Trilby Station earlier in the year and he had his film crew and we actually did an interview on the radio which we filmed. I want to make sure I made the cut. <laughs> I'll be asking him. Uh, the, you are the original head for radio, my friend. Mm. Well, mate, you wouldn't believe it. I'm getting some, um, some doing some work here, as you know. We're putting on a, doing an extension of an office here and doing some things and one of the builders here yesterday, and he and he was the bloke. He, it was because of him I thought I'd mention all those emails because he said that um, he, he asked me. He, I, I, I did. He, I, I said to him. I said to him, "Thanks for listening to our podcast." Because he said, "Did I hear somewhere you're doing something with Rick O'Brien?" And I said, "Oh, do you know him?" He said, "No," because I used to watch him on his show. And he said, "I don't watch it anymore because he's not on it." And I went, "Oh, well, fair enough." And then he said. To be honest, he goes, he didn't have a real good head for TV, but he knew what he was talking about. He said, but he, was, <laughs> he goes, he's probably the ugliest person on television. Oh, I, and then oh, I, I, no, no, I defended you. Yeah. I then named a few others, but I won't be naming them here. <laughs> and they're not, and, and that are on television. And when I say on television, I don't mean on these sorts of shows. I'm talking in general. Yeah, yeah. General television shows. I said, well, what about this person? And what about that person? And he said, yeah, you've got me. I'll yeah. tell you who it is later, but it's off a uh, a pretty big TV show, and I said that's got to be the worst head on TV that one. But it was. Um, what about ugly Dave Gray? What happened to him? Is he still around, Dave I Gray? I got no idea. Yeah, I've got no idea either. He was a funny bloke, wasn't he? He used to smoke the cigars on yeah, telly. Yeah, that's right. He's had them days gone. You can't be going all right when your name's got ugly in it. Mate, he might have been like other people we know. He might have nicknamed himself. <laughs> I don't think so, though. Somebody would have um, given him that nickname. Ugly Dave Gray. But he was a funny bloke, wasn't he? Very yeah. funny. Jesus. Well, I wonder Blankety I'd... blanks. What I'd a great show that was. Be... I'm not sure whether he's still with us or not. Ugly Dave Gray. Yeah, someone might tell us. Okay, good. So, yeah. So, anyway. So, my mate, yeah. He, well, my mate, one of my, the builders here, he did say that your head was probably too rough. <laughs> which I've got to admit, phew, that's why I stick to radio, son. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, all good. So we'll have a chat about that. We'll also, um, well, with Pat rather, we'll uh, chat to Pat and see what he's up to and and uh, and all that. And I noticed his show's back on. Um, I've uh, watched a little bit of that, a little bit of Pat the other day, and I recorded um, the boys. The boys. All for adventure. All for adventure. Yeah, yeah I watched so, all for adventure on the weekend. Yeah, they great. get into it, those blokes, don't they? They do. Simon they do. And Jake, they go yeah, to some so. great spots. 
Yeah, so one thing I don't do, I don't watch a lot of television on the I don't watch a lot of television at the best of times, but tell you what we what um I sort of have been getting into a bit though in saying that is Netflix. Got Netflix? Yeah, got Netflix. Yeah. I'll probably spend more time on YouTube. The missus is pretty big on Netflix. Yeah. I've been sort of checking out a couple of things on Netflix. But I'm not really a TV person. I certainly don't watch it on the weekends unless it's a footy game. Yeah, I'm about the same to be mm. honest, mate. Mm. So um for me, especially this time of year, she's warming up, she's barbecue time. Mate, you going to any Christmas parties? Have you been invited to any? Or I've been invited to a couple, but yeah. I haven't been to any. Yeah. Anti-social bastard that I am. What are they ones you got to take a present? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm busy. Uh, yeah, I've got to wash my hair. I've got to say, I've knocked back a couple, but I am going to. Um, I'm going. I am going to one this weekend, which I'm looking forward to. I can't talk about it. I can't talk about that here either. Oh, gee, we can't say much here, no, can I? No, you're not doing so uh, great. It's just, oh, well, it's just because I know people who other people know might know or may have heard <laughs> of. So anyway, um, but yeah. So uh, anyway, I'm sure there's plenty of Christmas parties happening right now. I'm, I know one thing that won't be happening. They won't be listening to this podcast whilst we're at their party. No, they certainly won't. No, definitely not. So, uh, but anyway, Christmas parties are just fraught with danger. I reckon. They can be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they certainly can be. They can, um, yeah, some some are bigger than others. Yep, I've been to some, some pretty dusty ones in the past. Have you? Oh, yeah. I don't, I've got to be honest with you, I haven't been to a big, like, I haven't been to a, like any sort of a work Christmas party for a few years. I've got to tell you, the bloke who I reckon throws the best Christmas party of all time, yeah, you know, Turtle Landscapes. Yep. Right? So, for people that don't know Turtle Landscapes, he's got... I think about forty odd trucks and and uh, dog trailers, and he makes his own soil and compost, all that stuff. He's got a nursery and all landscape supplies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been around forever. His staff Christmas party is the best Christmas party I think you'll ever go to. It's very old school. It's not just the workers; it's the families. Yeah, he's got like a little tipper truck full of presents. He's got Santa Claus. It's real old school. So all the kids turn up, all get a present. He has live entertainment from big known artists. Yep. Who I won't mention. But big <laughs> names. But mate, he puts it on. Like yep. mate, all the drink, all the food, mate, unbelievable. And it's all at his house. Oh wow. Incredible. Yep. Unbelievable. And it's 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 probably one of the best Christmas parties you'll ever be um lucky enough to be invited to. It's an absolute ripper. You ever, you ever made a goose of yourself at a Christmas party? <laughs> Please. Kidding, aren't you? What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I reckon I would. I'm tipping you might have. Oh, my first Christmas party with um, when I worked four wheel drive action with the magazine was uh, was an interesting one. I'd only been there for a short period of time, and mm. uh, they have two Christmas parties: one for the for the management group, and then one with everybody. I think that's changed now. Probably. Yeah, because I was talking to Sean Owen and uh, Graham on the radio the other was it last week, the week before, and they were preparing for the Christmas party. It was on a boat. Yep. Doing a pub crawl along the river in Brisbane. Yeah, very different. Well, it's not even owned by the same person anymore. So yeah. So, uh, but it was all the, it was all the the and again they they involved their families and yep and all and everybody who has anything to do with it probably a couple of sponsors and and, any, and all the people that work behind the scenes. I'm tipping. You imagine Graham and Shawno getting off a boat and doing a pub crawl. Can you imagine the poor people in those pubs and oh, the poor mate. people of Brisbane? I tell you what, that that will be a messy evening. It's, it's been done. I actually, I, 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 I probably should try and catch up with them and see what happened. The party's yes. happened. 
I've never made any headlines. So <laughs> that's good. That's good. Anyway, but you know, so what did you do? What did you? Oh, uh, we we went along to um to the the first Christmas party, which was the management group, because I was uh, I was looking after one of the magazines at the time, and I hadn't been there very long, and I certainly didn't know everyone at that point, and I ended up doing shots with uh, with one of the other general managers, and I wasn't aware that she was a general manager, and got a bit loose, and you know. We'll end, you know, it, you know, we'll end you it right there. Have a few drinks. No, we'll end it right there, Rico. I mean, I think we'll end it right there. We don't want to know what you got up to. And who I didn't get up was. to anything bad, but I, I think I probably made a bit of a dick of myself. Yeah, no, fair enough. Anyway, we'll end that right there. All right, so where's what we're on about now? Look, we're going to uh, now for those of you who email us, we've set up. Well, we're, well, not set up. It's it's already set up, but. Um, if you want to email us now at the podcast, we're putting everything at one place, and you can grab podcast links here as well. You just go to bluecollarmedia.com.au, click on contact, and that email will come straight to us. So bluecollarmedia.com.au, you can click on contact and send an email that way, and you can also click on podcast links and grab the podcast links, not only for our podcast here, but all the other the other podcasts that we do for the uh, camping and uh, off-road radio show. So you just click on podcast links and or click on contact and Get in touch with us that way. We certainly like the feedback and we'll come back to you. Yeah, this is um, very timely, actually, mate, because I just run into some IT dramas with uh, with the original email that we sent up. Right. Uh, I couldn't reply to anyone. Yeah, right, I okay. couldn't figure it out because I'm not an IT guru. Yeah, well, that's where you need my daughter, Courtney. She's on IT here. Okay. So no, I've got, I've I got don't two have an st- IT department. So I have, I have, my department is pretty simple. Finance and general, general management. War and Finance is my missus. So that's uh, Mrs. Duck. She's in charge of the money. Yep. Um, she tells me what I'm not allowed to have and spend. <laughs> then we have, uh, and she does a very good job at it. Thank God she's here, to be honest. Then we have IT and, su- and technical support, which is my daughter, Courtney. Yep. Then we have, um, what was it, product testing and development. That's my young bloke. Yep. So he gets out and tests things, and <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. He just come back from a couple of weeks on Fraser, so he's uh, certainly been out doing that. Then we have HR. Yeah. You might hear him bark a little bit later I, on I in the he background. Was security. He's security as well. <laughs> yeah, he's very good at security. Oh, Blue. Yeah, Blue, he's very good. And then there's a, and we're still trying to find a job for me. So once we do that, we're away. So there you go. But so, so if you want to email us, just go to bluecollarmedia.com.au. Click on contact, and if you want to grab any podcast links at all, you can click on the podcast um, link there as well. There's a little tab there, and that will take you to all of the podcasts. In the meantime, I guess we should just get right into it from here. We probably should. Well, Rico... Tell us about your little history piece this week. Ludwig Leichhardt. So uh, Ludwig Leichhardt was, uh, well, he became famous for being an explorer here in Australia. Uh, and early exploration of Australia is one of my passions. I'm, I'm big on all of this. There's a whole bunch of great stories out there, a bunch of uh, different people that went and did some of this stuff. Leichhardt was, I think he was a little bit different to a lot of them. Um, you know, you've got Burke and Wills and... You know, Wills was a fairly well-educated bloke. He, um, 
he was an astronomer and, and he was into botany and a few other bits and pieces. But Burke, he was just a straight-out adventurer. So he was out there for the adventure. He was out there looking for something to take the sting out of his tail. Ludwig Leichhardt was definitely from the other school. He was very, very well educated. Now, Ludwig Leichhardt, he was born in 1813 in Prussia. Now, Prussia doesn't exist anymore. It's what you and I would now call Germany. And um, he went to school over there in a couple of different universities in Gottingen and Berlin. And he studied language, philosophy, natural sciences, botany, uh, astronomy, you name it, this bloke had a crack at it and did very, very well in all of them. So incredibly well-educated man, spoke various languages as well. He, he undertook some field work in several European countries, including France, Italy, Switzerland, obviously Prussia, which is now Germany. Uh, and in 1842, he came to Australia. So February 1842, he arrived in Sydney and his aim was to explore inland Australia and he was hopeful of getting a government grant to go and be able to afford to pursue this endeavour. Um, so while he was waiting for that to happen, he went up to the Hunter River and north of Sydney and went through the valley there and was collecting flora and fauna and, and checking farming methods and, and just basically learning more about the country as he went. He ended up going from Newcastle all the way up to Moreton Bay in Queensland. So uh, he's not the sort of bloke who did things by halves. Now, back in those days, 1840s, like mm. this is even before Burke and Wills, that's a bloody long way. Mm. Bloody long way. He returned to Sydney in 1844 um, and was hoping to take part in the expedition that he was he was looking to achieve, which was to go from Moreton Bay in Queensland to Port Essington, which is about 300 k's north of Darwin, so it's sort of the, around the northernmost point of the Northern Territory. Now, this is a massive, massive expedition, and unfortunately the government funding fell through, so he decided to mount the expedition himself, got some volunteers, got some private funding, and uh, he left Sydney in August 1844 and he sailed to Moreton Bay and a few more people joined his group. The expedition started on October 1844 from the Jimbore Homestead, which was the furthest outpost on the settlement of the Darling Downs in Queensland. After nearly 4,800 kilometres, which was 3,000 miles back in the day, the overland journey, they, they'd given him up for dead. He'd been gone for so long. He arrived in Port Essington in December 1845, so... He'd been gone for nearly 18 months. They, um, they didn't think he'd made it. So he returned to Sydney uh, by boat and to a hero's welcome in 1846. He'd, he'd achieved something that hadn't really been done before. That was a very long, long way to travel. And he opened up some country, as you can imagine, up there in that sort of northern part of Queensland and into mm. the Northern Territory. It's pretty, pretty outrageous. Um, have, have a listen to the name of the book that he wrote. You ready? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm standing by. The Journal of an Overland Expedition in Australia from Moreton Bay to Port Essington, a distance of upwards of 3,000 miles during the years 1844 and 1845. That was the title of the book. That was the title of the book. That's quite a mouthful. How big was the cover? <laughs> Unreal, isn't it? Mm. Nothing, nothing quite like being succinct. He almost the wrote point. the book on the front cover. <laughs> Now, the, the trip wasn't without uh, its, its issues, as you can imagine. Not only did it take a long time, because the going up there would have been very, very tough. Mm. Uh, one of his blokes, John Gilbert, was uh, killed by blacks, unfortunately. He was speared to death. Um, and there's a memorial to him at a, at a place called Taroom, 
So if you're ever in the area, go and check that out. Uh, his second expedition was undertaken with a government grant this time and substantial private subscriptions or funding, and it started in December 1846. Now, the plan was to go from the Darling Downs, mm. which is where he left the first place, uh, and go to the west coast of Australia and ultimately down to the Swan River in Perth. Now, this had never been done. No one knew what was in the middle of Australia. Uh, Burke and Wills were still, what was it, uh, 1846, mm. was still 15 years away yeah, right. from doing their crossing, and they mm. were the first to do it. They went from north to south, but no one had been to the centre of Australia at this stage or, or anywhere around there, so no one knew what was there. Um, so off he went, got about 800 k's into it, and they were forced to return due to heavy rain, malaria, uh, and famine. So after recovering from malaria, Leichhardt spent six weeks in 1847 examining the course of the Condamine River in southern Queensland and the country between that and another route that had been led by an expedition called Sir Thomas Mitchell, who we've spoken about in the past. Um, so basically he, he'd recovered, was setting himself up to get ready to go and have another crack. Now, before he left on his second attempt in 1847, he actually won the annual Paris Geographical Society Prize, a bit of a medal. Mm. for the, the trip he did to Port Essington. Uh, and the Royal Geographical Society in London also awarded him a patron's medal, which is a massive big deal. It's sort of like back in those days getting the Nobel Peace Prize. Mm. So it speaks volumes of, of what an achievement it was back in those days to open up so much country mm. in what was still a very, very young country. So um, when he found out about it, he said that he hasn't done it for the honour, he's done it for the sake of science and nothing else. I don't do it for the money. I do it because I love it. But that's saying it still happens. That sort of yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I think people would say that are lying. You reckon? Wait, please. <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> I don't do it for the money. I do it because I love it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, well, mate. Sidetracked there. What about the podcast? We we do this for the love. Do we do actually? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can <laughs> advertise in the podcast. You, know, you can do that. <laughs> Bluecollarmedia.com.au. In 2012, the National uh, Museum of Australia actually purchased that medal that was mm. awarded to Leichhardt by the Royal Geographical Society. Um, they bought it from the descendants of the Leichhardt family who are now in Mexico. Yep. So there you go. If you want to go and see that medal, National Museum of Australia. So in 1848, Leichhardt again set out from the Condamine to reach the Swan River. His expedition consisted of Leichhardt, four Europeans, two Aboriginal guides, seven horses, 20 mules and 50 bullocks. So it was a pretty sizable sort of... Uh, mm, bit of a convoy. Sort of a convoy they had going there. Um, the Aboriginal guides are a couple of blokes from Port Stephens. So the party was last seen on the 3rd of April in 1848 at a station called Cagoon on the Darling Downs. Now, Leichhardt's disappearance after moving inland was investigated by a lot of different people. No one really knows what happened, but there's a whole bunch of conflicting things going on, so we'll have a quick look at that. Uh, he was expected to take a couple of years to get across, maybe two to three years, but they never heard from him again. Uh, the latest evidence suggests that he might have died somewhere between the Great Sandy Desert and perhaps the Tanami, yep. which is just over the border into WA. So mm. if he did actually make it that far, mm. that was still a pretty wild effort. You've got to look, you've got to look at the time of this... In eighteen hundreds, eighteen forties, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fair just insane, yeah, incredible. Because <laughs> it's nothing. I mean, you look at when you talk to folks like Mal Leyland and what they saw when they went, 
out there and they were the first to drive the Gibb River Road yeah, and the and first this is to drive the 1960s. across. First, exactly, 60s and 70s. With motor vehicles. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I mean, and even they found it to be remote and to be Absolutely. tough and to be no, and to cut in, you know, well, they didn't even cut in tracks. They were just the first no. to do it and map it. But like, they, they didn't have to deal with no. know, Indigenous people that had never seen a white person yeah. before in their life and were scared out of their wits. Mm. Oh, for sure, yeah, and, definitely. And, and very warlike, mm. you know. So these guys were dealing with a hell of a lot more um, than, than, than people that have come after them, that's for sure. So they sent out some search parties to find the guys and... Um, you know, the odd tree was found here or there, so the trees were marked L uh, for Leichhardt. And there was one that was marked L over the, the letters XVA, which would have marked the number of the camp that it was, depending on how he kept the numbers. Uh, in 1958, another expedition was sent out under Augustus Gregory, who was a, a very uh, well-respected... in Yeah, 1958, yeah, a very well-respected explorer. Mm. Uh, he found another tree at Blackall, beside the Barku River, marked L. In 1864, so this is now after the Burke and Wills um, crossing and also after John McDoor Stewart's crossing, so they both went north to south and opened up a fair bit of country. Uh, there was an L on the Flinders River near the Gulf of Carpentaria. So basically what they've worked out is that rather than go straight across the country in you know a straight line, he was following the headwaters of rivers in a bit of an arc across the top and sort of the northern, and then just once he got to the top, started heading south. And and where they reckon he was last, or the, the remnants of, of things they found, there would have been no water around that area mm. at all. Like the Great Sandy Desert, the Tanami mm. Desert, come mm. on, it's, it's probably the, the most harsh part of the country mm. even today. Uh, in 1969, the government, of, oh, sorry, 1869, the government of Western Australia heard rumours that there was a place where the remains of horses and men killed by Indigenous Australians could be seen. Now, this is a place called Poison Rock in WA. Uh, they went looking for that and never found it. So no one really knows for sure. Um, in 2006, so this is quite recent, Australian historians and scientists authenticated a tiny brass plate that was marked Ludwig Leichhardt, 1848, this had been discovered at around 1900 by Aboriginal stockmen near Sturt Creek between the Tanami and the Great Sandy Desert. Now, this had been attached to a partially burnt shotgun that was slung in a boab tree, and the tree was also engraved with the initial L. Mm. So that sort of seems to be the most likely place where where they'd made it to, mm. if, if that's the case. Now, the Aboriginal history surrounding the... Is, uh, is also interesting. So in 2003, a librarian found a letter in the New South Wales State Library that might shed some light on Leichhardt's disappearance. So dated the 2nd of April 1874, the letter was received by a Sydney clergyman and it was written by W.P. Gordon, a station owner from the Darling Downs who'd met Leichhardt in the days before he left. So the letter relates how Gordon moved to Wollimbala, which is a little bit west of the Darling Downs, and how after living there for more than 10 years, he'd befriended the local tribe who came to openly share their stories and the folklore with him. One of these stories refers to the detailed death of a white man who was leading a party of mules and bullocks along the Maranoa River many years earlier. According to the Wollambilia tribe, the, the large group of Aboriginals had encircled the party and murdered everyone in it. It had been speculated that if the story was true, 
the expedition's belongings were likely traded widely after the massacre, and that explains how some of these things could have been found as far west mm. as the Tanami. So, what actually happened, I guess we'll never know. Mm. Pretty interesting. There's one. a lot of history in this country, isn't there? Oh, there's a lot mate. of highways and a lot of places named after all these people. You know, the thing is, they, 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 anyone, when these people headed off on these expeditions, they couldn't research it. Of course not. They, they just, no one year. Just day, day by day. Just no took, one year. Exactly just right. Just went out and said, well, let's yeah. go and look at what's out here. No GPSs, so no that sort of stuff. They certainly, even when you go for a drive today across Australia, you can realise how, how big it is and how far it is and how long it takes to get places. Imagine what it was like for... Imagine what it was like for old Ludwig. Yeah, well, what astounds all me these with people these, like him. What astounds me with these stories is the way they navigated. Mm. The you know the celestial navigation and their by sense the of stars. adventure, mate. Their sense of adventure. The fact that they actually thought, "Let's go and have a look." You got it. It takes a fair set of brass ones, doesn't it? Oh, mate. I mean, and, and that really has never left any of us. That let's go and have a look around. Let's go and have a look. Well, that's what we're all into four-wheel driving yeah, for, Yeah, exactly. Isn't it? Let's go and have a look. Let's go and explore. So he, and not that we're the first to ever done it, not first to have done it, but you still want to go and do it yourself. But uh, oh, of course you do. these people back in the day. Now, Australia's commemorated Ludwig Leichhardt through the use of his name in a whole bunch of different places. Obviously, there's Leichhardt, the inner western Sydney suburb. There's also a suburb of Leichhardt in Ipswich. Uh, there's the Leichhardt Highway, the Leichhardt River, the Division of Leichhardt in the Australian Parliament. There's a eucalyptus tree species called the Corumbia Lycardi, which commemorates Lycardt as well. There's Lycardt's grasshopper and Lycardt's sawfish. There you go. There you go. We should bring out a Lycardt beer as well. Oh, that's low carb. <laughs> Sorry. Low carb beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good one, mate. Uh, and that's it. So uh, there you go. Mate, so. I, I would love to go out there and find some sort of... Uh, Relics, fragments. Who knows? You might just do that. that, uh, that sooner shows, than you think. Shows where he was. Yeah, you wouldn't might that ju- be good? Yeah, well, you might just do that sooner than you think, mate. So there you go. All right, that is the history piece this week. So uh, no, good stuff as uh, Rico's rediscovering all these places and all these stories, and that's what it's all about. And we love that part of it. So um, don't forget, uh, stand by for a big announcement from Rico very, very soon on all that kind of stuff. Mate, let's. Uh, we'll, we are going to get to our mate Pat Callan very shortly, but um, mate, I want to talk a little bit more about the um, Tuggera Lakes. I might even ask Pat when he comes on about it. Tuggera Lakes, on, and for people listening to this podcast, you may not know where that is. It's on the it's on the central coast of New South Wales, not really only a stone throw from Sydney, and it's a it have to be one of the most popular holiday spots. The entrance itself. Uh, obviously the town's named after the fact that there's an entrance of the uh, channel of the ocean into the lake. And um, it's been a holiday's favourite there for oh, God knows how many years. Oh, forever. Right? Be over 100, yeah. I reckon, for sure. And it was a place that's dear to me. We spent a lot of time there. In fact, my kids did after growing up there. We had a we had a cabin up there on a permanent basis and um, we were there... All year round, we go up Christmas, we go weekends, through yeah. winter time. Oh, mate, I love to take the kids up there yeah, and we, buy some hot chips and throw them at the kids so the seagulls come and get them. It's where we first bought the jet skis. Um, and how that all started, a mate of ours mate of ours bought a jet ski, came up for holidays, and within a week we sort of all thought, well, let's go and buy one. <laughs> As you do. I mean, well, mate, I, 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 uh, I, tell her, I, I basically went away on holidays and came back with a jet ski on the back of the car. The neighbors, what, 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 where'd you find that? Yeah. 
And um, yeah, the missus take that. Uh, yeah, not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, she, yeah no, well, she went and got a license straight away. Oh, that's good. So there you go. So uh, yeah, we had to do all that. We had to well, buy the jet ski. Then we had to go and get our licenses. This was all over on holidays. Anyway. There's, there's a fair bit to it too, isn't there? Getting the the personal watercraft license. Oh, not really. It's an, it, you, the, the hardest part is getting the actual boat license. It's about twelve questions, I think. It's an add-on. It's like a truck license. It's oh, an add-on. Okay. It's an add-on to your boat license. All right, well, I've got the boat license. It's a fair more. It's a fair bit more expensive. In fact, everything to do with the jet ski is expensive, especially like the Rego, which I just paid the other day. <sighs> getting over that one. Oh, mate, you got plenty. Um, don't worry. But about it. it's certainly, um, which that's another story. It's certainly a bit unfair. And uh, we actually cover a bit on jet skis on the radio this week. We did a bit of... There's a big blitz on at the moment on the jet skis. And blokes like me and uh, who just sort of get out there and have a good time and do the right thing won't care about the blitz. It's all the other imbeciles that get out with no life jackets on. And, oh, there are plenty of them too. And, and yeah, there is. And hence the fact that they've got a you know, fun to blitz to yeah, sort of Yeah, it's just like four driving, mate. It's the minority that ruins it mm. for everyone. Anyway, so we're getting off the track here. But the, the big thing was it was all on Tugra Lake, right? Tugra Lake's up there at... Yep. Uh, at the entrance. Now, we we used to ride our jet skis out of the lake, through the channel, into the ocean, and off we could go anywhere. These days, you could drive a four-wheel drive across that, that inlet. The water is a piddling amount, especially on uh, low tide. It's terrible. People up there, because obviously I've made a lot of mates up there over the whole time I was there, who I was still in touch with, tell me that the lake's starting to smell. The lake's yeah, slowly it'd, dying. It goes stagnant. You would right. not eat anything that you caught there. I mean, for years and years and years, people prawn there. Yeah, the water be running out of oxygen. An amount, a, enormous amount of brim and flathead and and blue swimmer crabs, mate. You could nothing to go out and come home with either those. Yeah. Um, mate, you wouldn't you wouldn't eat anything out of there now. From it what, makes no from, sense, you know. It, it is such a popular destination. Well, this Why is the thing. Why would they not maintain this properly? Well, this is the thing with it, and it's a, it's a great holiday spot, as we say, and people who have been there know what we're talking about. But why wouldn't they do something about it? One, to save the local tourist businesses that are there, the tackle yep. shops, the, the boat hire business, which has been there, I think, it, it's been there, well, someone told me... It could be up to about 80 years, even longer. I don't know. It's been there forever. And it's an old boat shed and they've got these old yeah. boat, higher yeah, boats. Yeah, I know the one. Well, that, that's under threat of closing down. I mean, that is just unacceptable. So, there's one, there's no respect for the people that have invested their money into opening a business to service the tourists that turn up there. There's no respect for the environment because the fish... The, the fishery itself, yeah. Got, got all that, right? I mean, fair income... It, do yourselves a favour up there. Dig it out. Put a break wall in. Let the thing flow with a lot of water. It'll bring not not only will it bring new life to the lake, but it'll actually bring some new life to the town. Yeah, that's right. Well, that, that happens a lot, you know. On the northern beaches, you've got Narrabeen. If if uh, the council don't come and, and open that up, the locals get out there with their shovels and open it up themselves. Yeah. Well, last time I was there, mate, the water was brown in the lake. Yeah. Last time I was there, it had just opened up and it was insane. The water was yeah. flowing at. Do you Such remember a raider not to kids in there with boogie boards having a great yeah. time? Well, do you remember? Um, do you remember the uh, big storm where the Pasha Bolka washed up on Nobby's Beach? Yeah, Newcastle. Well, at that t- that was the best that the entrance ever w- that I can remember it being because what happened that had blown the the channel wide open, and I mean wide open. You could sit in the bottom pub there, the entrance hotel, and have a beer, looking straight out of the ocean. Yep, it was unbelievable, and that was it's probably at its best. Then over time. It, it formed an island in the middle, and so they had two inlets. 
Then over time, the the one that wasn't there naturally, it it it, it closed up, and now ever since then, it's just bit by bit, by bit by bit, getting more narrow. You, you, there'd be nothing to go out there and see people with fishing rods fishing that channel. You wouldn't do oh, it now. Absolutely finished all over. Wow, it's just amazing. That's sad. And if the people up there had any brains, certainly you would dig it out, dredge it, put a break wall in there. You could set up a bit of a marina in there. You could have fast ferry going from Sydney to the entrance, and you could take people up there in no time and spend money in that town. Yeah, it wouldn't take all that year much, round. Would it? it wouldn't take that much. Whatever it cost, it would be worth it because you'd get it in the long in the long haul. You'd end up, you know, long term. Your town would be thriving. The property values would go up. There'd be there's a lot of high rise up there these days. Yep. And then look, basically, it won't be long before those high rises you'd be sitting on your veranda with a peg on your nose, looking over a swamp. I mean, for God's sake. I mean, someone up there, do something. I mean, it, and the other thing that shits me about this, this sort of thing that goes on, the locals and the people who use it and get up there and, ta- and take advantage of the benefits of those sorts of things, they know. It's the dickhead sitting behind a, be- uh, behind a desk or in a coffee shop somewhere just making decisions or making no decisions that yeah, causes this so problem. Seems. I think it's a it's a shame. I mean, only because I spent so much as kids. We went up there for holidays. Our mum and dad didn't have a lot of money, so you know we get we we just drive out. It wasn't far from Sydney, and we'd get up there and and get a holiday house and share it with other family members, like cousins and things like that, or yep. go to the caravan park and you know the one of the caravan parks up there, you know. And it was a rule. And when when I had the opportunity to buy my own van and we put a cabin there, I was wrapped. I was like, yeah, good's this, but you wouldn't do it now. No. Well, would you? Yeah, the, I mean, the, the, smell. the lakes wow. unused. Well, the lakes. I mean, the, the, there was another little boat, higher place at North Entrance. I think that's gone. I mean, like the. I know on times where you you go into that lake, even towards the times that we've used it, and I was up there about, geez, it'd be, twelve months ago, and took the jet ski for a run, on the lake, and um, when I got back, but it took me a bit of washing to get the grime off the jet ski. Yeah. Right. And that would have been twelve months ago. So what's it like now? And I and I saw some stuff on social media about it. And I uh, basically, I've got, like I said, got mates up there, and I've spoken to a couple of them, and they say it's in pretty real. Well, Adam Harvey, the country music singer, used to fish. He's a very good fisherman. Yep. People probably don't know that about him. It's a bit of a battle between him and Troy Casadale who get the best. I think Troy might get bigger ones because he goes to bigger places. <laughs> but it'd be nothing, nothing for. Um, Nothing for Adam not to, to, to bag a lot of fish. He knew where there was a good spot yep. up there. He has told me about it. Funny how fishermen keep their spots to themselves. Oh, absolutely. He doesn't fish the lake anymore. Yep. Now, he's a bloke who fished, you know, two or three times a week, sometimes more than that, because he's a local up there. And uh, and Adam's not the one who's spe- who I'm speaking to about this. So I was actually going to contact him and get his thoughts on it. We have spoken about it in the past. But I know for a fact he does not fish Tugwa Lakes anymore. Yep. What a shame. It's incredible. I just cannot believe that the people that we elect in council and local government, like in local government and in state governments and, in, you know, even in federal, we elect people to represent us. The minute they get in, they forget that. Yeah, they're dropping the ball, aren't they? Well, here's a tip. Do the right thing by your town. Look after your town Look a- and look after the, the caravan parks that are there. And, right. and they'll look after you. Of course they'll they make will. make sure you get 
Yeah, kept in your cushy job. So you need to um, you need to do something about it. If, in the, like I said, if you've got any any place like that around that's just you know being held up in some sort of bureaucracy, um, let us know about it. Send us an email. You can do that, and um, and we'll take up the charge. But I just thought we'd mention that. We're all going to do a lot more research on it because it is. This, our podcast is about getting out in Australia and looking at places and enjoying it. Enjoying yeah, the country. Absolutely. Whether it's an outback dusty track, whether it's a yep. sandy beach or an island, or whether it's a tourist destination like the entrance, we want to see this continue so our kids can get out there and enjoy it and their kids can get out and enjoy what happens in Australia. You've got imbeciles that won't make decisions to simply clean out, open up, but everyone knows it needs flushing. The thing has a natural... That's right. It's how lakes work. Water comes off the ocean, goes in, tide comes up, tide goes out. That's right. Well, now yeah. that doesn't happen. I mean, feed income. Pull your heads in. Do something about it because it's otherwise... Like, it's like flushing a toilet. Otherwise, let me tell you what's going on. Well, I don't know about that, but I've, I've got to tell well, you... Well, it is. Yeah, I, but, it's but, gone to shit. Yeah. Well, that's what's happening there. it hasn't been flushed. Well, anyway, so what we need to do is, mate, we need to make sure that um, these places survive and that these tourists... Uh, people can go on great holidays and some people don't want to travel far. To some go people on don't holiday. have the means to travel yeah, far. Yeah, so for people in Sydney or people in Newcastle... Yep. Um, you know, who might want to just sort of get into that little Central Coast area. And there's some beautiful beaches up there. Beautiful. Oh, stunning part Soldiers of the Beach, Nora Head. Beautiful. Yep. You won't find better anywhere. They are as good. Soldiers Beach at the Central Coast is one of the best beaches you'll find absolutely anywhere. And you look around the corner of the Nora Head, there's the big rock pool. and yep. beautiful part of Beautiful part of Australia. Love a good rock pool. Yeah. And so there you go. And then, then you've got on the other side of that, you've got the lake. Which is just filling up with sand, mud, yeah, and and honestly, and they, and and when the lake goes, the caravan parks will go. That's right. All the little shops, the little fish and tackle, chip shops, the tackle shops. Well, the tackle shops. I mean, why would you go and buy? You know, you yeah. can't fish there, or you can, but you can't eat it. Yeah. So anyway, that's just my little spiel on that this week. Good, controversial. Your duck soapbox. Hard hitting. Well, hard, when, well, hard well, well, you know what? We're not hard hitting, but when we start getting a few names of people that um that that have made decisions or won't make decisions, well, then we'll get hard hitting and we'll name them. Mike Willisy. No, no, hardly. Ray Martin. Hardly any of that. No, I'm just a bloody like you, mate. We're just Aussie battlers who just like to get out and enjoy ourselves. And I used to like going up there. I'd mates, you know, we get up there, get the jet skis out and. Yeah. Right on the lake and go out through the channel and yeah, well, well mate, can't been, do that now. Me and my mates uh, as young blokes used to go up there and fish the lake a lot. Mm. Get the waders on and get out there. And anyway, not anymore. All That's right, well, what we're going to do, I think, we'll we'll, we'll go to we'll, we'll get Pat Callanan on the. Um, let's get Pat a call. Let's get on to Pat, mate. And, he, and he's going all right, Pat, isn't he? I, was, well, I, was I think like, he's doing okay. Spent a bit of time with him over in Perth. I bumped into him at Trilby Station um, through the year, which I'll not pre- might bring that up with him. So let's get Pat Callan on right now. What do you think, Rico? Oh, well, let's see if he answers the phone. Yeah, that, no, that'll no. be a good start. Yeah, no, Paddy's probably in a meeting somewhere. Let's go to him now. Well, Rico, Pat Callan is a mate of ours. He certainly is. Good mate of ours. Mm. Always enjoy catching up lucky with Pat. For, lucky for him. Do you have a lot of mates, Pat? You reckon Pat would have a lot of mates? I think Pat would have uh, more mates than he could count. You reckon? More than you and me put together. Well, let's ask him. He's on the line. Pat, g'day, mate. You got mates? 
Uh, I've got no mates. You're my only friends in the world, but uh, that's why I treasure you and that's why I'm talking to you. I like to look after the ones that I'm truly friends with. Yeah, you yeah, like to still hang around the little people, you know. Yeah, those are a you know, the, you know, the battlers, you know, the blokes you sit in cattle class, you know. How you going, mate? How's things? Oh, mate, I am uh, I'm flat out but enjoying life. Uh, yeah, we've, uh, you know, in terms of my company, um, we've... Um, We've never spat out more television episodes and documentaries than, than this in my entire career. So, um, and as I'm talking about our, the four-wheel drive show that most people might have heard of. And, mm. But we're also um, uh, in the thick of production for a documentary called Building the Ultimate 4x4 that's going on Channel 10 on the 19th of January. And, and then uh, we've also produced a, a new show for Channel 10 uh, called RV Daily Foodie Trails, which is... Uh, a caravan show travelling around the countryside to regional destinations and um, eating eating good tucker and drinking nice wine and all that sort of stuff with a uh, with a caravan on the back and finding some pretty cool free camps along the way. Sounds like me just so, going uh, off. I should. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I, I spoke to you about that earlier in the year, so it's good to see it actually come to fruition, mate. It uh, show looks really good. Oh, thanks, mate. Cheers. Yeah, no, they're a great mob putting it together. They, um, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, uh, Jeff Macker, um, yeah, I stumbled um, across him. I'd, I'd worked with him years ago, um, and uh, we were at Arcarula, and um, and he um, cruises in the driveway um, in his cruiser with his uh, caravan on the back, and uh, and I was scratching my head as to who we'd get to present uh, this show, and, and I thought, that's pretty authentic. He's the real deal. He's tra- travelling around the countryside. He knows how to cook. and uh, knows, knows how yeah, to tow, so- very importantly. Exactly, exactly, yeah, and uh, and he's um, yeah well supported by um, uh, Emma Ryan and, and Tim Scott, who are our um, uh, deputy editor and um, editor of Arvet Daily magazine. So it's a, it's a yeah, it's a, it's a great bunch, and they've got really good chemistry on camera, and um, it's uh, yeah, it's been been a, a fun thing putting a putting a brand new show together. And mate, um, what about the um, it's been on for a couple of weeks, the the, uh, the existing program, mate? How's the feedback? Oh, mate, it's, it's pretty awesome, actually. We, um, uh, yeah, we've been um, uh, doing, topping the ratings a little bit in our little four-wheel drive show category, so that's been nice. And uh, so, so people tend to be watching, and and uh, we've really tried to, um, you know, involve our co-presenters um, this season a lot more, uh, rather than just sort of having the patch show. We've we've really tried to, um, you know, to change it up a bit. So we've had some. Um, uh, Wes Whitworth, we introduced this weekend, and and he's uh, he's pretty awesome. He's a journo for um two four by four, um and uh, yeah, and we've also had Scott Mason in the first couple of episodes as well, and and uh, look, these are great guys. I get on really well with them, which you can sort of tell on camera. So that's been good. But we've also really tried to focus on on uh, places that Aussies like to go. So we've got episodes like Melbourne's best tracks, uh, Sydney's best four by four tracks, and uh, and uh, Brisbane's best tracks as well coming out this season, as well as tonight. And that's a great stuff, idea. Yeah. That's a great category because that's what people want to know. And that's how you'll get people into it too, Pat, because, uh, you know, you'll have people who are, um, you know, thinking, I wish I could go and do that. You know, and people in the capital cities watching will be able to go, well, that's yeah. not far from here. We can just go it's there. It's achievable. It's achievable. And that's important. It is- yeah, hundred percent. You know, at the end of the day, half the time it's like literally half a tank of diesel, and you are, you know, you're in these amazing spots. And you know, when you so, you know, so many four wheel drivers, or you know, they've got their eyes, as you guys know, towards 
towards the Cape or, or the Simo or, or, and those sort of things. And they're still obviously amazing adventures, but, you know, not everyone's got four weeks to go and do those treks. And, yeah. um, but when you peel back what's out the back of Sydney and Melbourne and, uh, yeah, and we did sort of, um, uh, new sort of Byron the back way. So we did a really nice loop out the back of, um, Brizzy. Um, and when you look at these places, you just go, geez, these are absolutely awesome. And there is still a lot of tracks that are open. And, um, uh, yeah, it's just been a, been an absolute hoot, to be honest. Um, uh, just discovering a few places that I haven't been before and, uh, doing silly things like we're out the back of Kenilworth, um, which is sort of the Glasshouse Mountains. And, and, uh, we found this bakery that does a one kilogram donut. And so <laughs> Wes and I had, had the challenge to try and knock off that donut. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> cinnamon, was it a cinnamon donut? Uh, so no, they even stuffed them. They got you got like three choices. I got some. Um, uh, I had a hummingbird one. So it was mine. Was I think filled with custard and cream, and oh, I'll no. do a jam and cream one. And they'll do. Uh, it's just incredible. Um, uh, and yeah, so you start hooking into it, and then they they tell you um halfway through that um oh yeah thirty percent of people throw up and uh, another percent of people don't finish and you just and they give you a bucket and you think hang on what have I got myself into yeah. here no you can have uh, that but, now, but, I, uh, I don't know if you know but I've got a little bit of experience in in doing eating donuts do. in eating donuts no not not the donuts <laughs> in in terms of the the TV side of things and I, and I know that behind the scenes. It isn't always as cool and calm as it appears on TV. Things are done at a fairly hectic pace because there are timetables and schedules to stick to. Now, travelling yep. with Scott Mason and Wes Whitworth, who are two absolute gun photographers, I'm tipping that would have been very hard work to keep those blokes on schedule because they want to stop and take photos of everything. Well, you'd think so, but I think they just bundied off and forgot they were photographers and they thought, no, I'm a TV presenter now, so they fairly picked up their cameras. Oh, really? Oh, that's good. <laughs> and left, oh, Scotty was a Scotty. You know, Scotty's passionate, as you know, about his, his astrophotography and his bird photography. Bird, so, yeah. no, he, he definitely um, loves it. But, no, we actually had to um, enlist the help of other, other photographers to, to come along so that the guys could really, you know, focus on their presenting. And, um, and uh, yeah, because, as you know, it's a bit, it is hard to juggle um when you when you're out there and get, oh, absolutely. you know great great photos and then and then present and in this whole multimedia world where we've got to be a social expert a photography expert <laughs> a, a journalist a presenter it's like yeah I, I miss the old days sometimes it's, yeah here's your work in photos and that's it yep. <laughs> but, uh, yeah you mentioned uh, the old days pat think yep. way way back how did you end up in this caper i mean what were you doing and then and then basically you were doing whatever you were doing and then you obviously mm. went out four-wheel driving one day or went for a bit of a trip somewhere. How did this start for you? And one, how did it start for you? And two, did you think it would be as big as it is now? Um, well, look, I didn't even think you could get a job in the four-wheel drive industry. I didn't you know, think that was a thing. Obviously, when you, they take you into career planning in year 10 or 11, they don't tell you that you could get a job, um, you know, being a full drive TV presenter, and I suppose when I was at school, there wasn't even a full drive TV show. But oh, it was barely TV, um, was it? Well, the Leyland brothers would have been out there. But well, they were, yeah, but they, were, but they were in combis. <laughs> Mate, I, I grew up in Brewarrina, um, where we only got the ABC when oh, I was no. growing up. So they did not even the Leyland for me. But um, no, look, I was uh, um, studying arts law up in Armadale, um, in New South Wales version of Armadale, and. Um, 
uh, and I had an old Series 2A Land Rover and um, uh, and I used to take it down to Coffs Harbour and camp on the beach at Pebbly and that sort of stuff. So I really loved it, loved the magazines that were around at the time. And, and uh, what, went what for my magazines first... would have those been? That would have been Bush Driver? Yep, Bush Driver, um, Overlander and 4x4 Australia. Yep. So they were the, yeah, pretty much the only three that were around at that time. And, and uh, so I went uh, went for my first big four-wheel drive trip up to Fraser Island. I had, um, uh, you know, I had my recovery gear, my shackles and my snatch strap because I'd read about those things and was cruising up to, to Fraser, got past Noosa, uh, drove through past those coloured sands and got up um, near Rainbow Beach and um, came up to a little point there called Mudlow Rocks. And... Um, uh, and the tide was coming up a little bit and, and uh, had my old Land Rover. She had a bit of clearance and I, and I thought, I'll pick the shallowest way. So I, I started to climb over the rocks and um, uh, and uh, sort of got stuck. And then the tide started coming in and um, I thought, no worries, I'll, 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 uh, someone will pull me out with my snatch strap and my shackles. But uh, no one wanted to get salt water on their cars because the tide was coming up a little bit. So I sat there and tried to rock it backwards and forwards, and this is this is you know before your tread pros existed and all that sort of stuff. So I couldn't really put ramps down or anything. And uh, yeah, long story short, that night there was a king tide. Um, I had to evacuate my vehicle, and uh, it got um, washed up against the rocks. The body got ripped off the chassis, um, and I lost my entire vehicle. Um, the upshot of that was I, I actually sent a story off to 4x4 Australia, which was edited by um, our mate Ron Moon, and um, and he published it and sent me a cheque for uh, $300. And I thought, hang on a minute, you can actually get paid for writing stories, um, which was going to be an expensive career if I had to trash a Land Rover every time I got a $300 cheque. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, that just gave me the idea for doing it. Then I... Um, did a bit of work experience for Bush Driver magazine, and and um, they offered me a job, and and uh, yes, yeah, so I've been in the in the four wheel drive game uh, ever since. That's not bad. And did you think you then did you think you'd do it this long? And you're surprised at how big because your organisation's nothing is, to be sneezed at. It's he is a, presiding over an empire. It's a great it's a great organisation <laughs> which has taken a lot of hard work and 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 unlike any business and anything you do if you're passionate about it there are sacrifices of course when you're away from home for you know extended yeah. periods and things like that which is why I've always admired the stuff you've done Pat because a lot of a lot of the times you've got your family involved I actually saw your young bloke driving through Piedmont the other day it's just a bit of a sidetrack for you but yeah, um yeah. but with the P plates on which is good my young bloke just got mentioned Fraser he just got back from Fraser it's good that yeah, the, right. the kids the kids get into it, you know, as they get older and become young adults. But certainly, it is a great what you've done. It's a great organisation, and it's it's very controlled and everything's you know well managed. Um, no, but there are a lot of sacrifices, aren't there? I mean, you it is good and it looks good on camera. Rico said it all looks good on camera, but when the cameras are turned off, there's a lot of bloody hard work involved here with those sacrifices. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was uh, having a chat to Rico earlier and uh, said it's a little bit like um, childbirth, this TV thing. <laughs> it can be very, very hard, particularly in that post-production time when it's just work, work, work. And, um, uh, you know, when you, you've had the fun of the filming and then you come back and, and then the work really starts. And, plenty of females that um, disagree with that statement, Pat. That's a big <laughs> statement coming from you. For someone who's well, never given is, birth, I mean... Yeah. No, exactly, yeah. <laughs> careful, mate. Um, You've got to be careful what you say when it comes to that thing. It's like when blokes get right. gout. 
Oh, it's, it's, it, they get gout. They go, oh, it's mate, the pain. It's worse than childbirth, this person. Mate, how would you know? <laughs> Man, That's a good worst. point. The reason I mention it is because, yeah, we all round up and go for another season too. So, um, yeah, we, we'll, we'll all go again, as many mums would do. They, they go through that horrendous pain and then and line up and say, oh, we've got to have another one now. So, mm. um, and that's, yeah, sort of what we've done this time around, except we've made it worse by making another TV show. But, um, so no, not, it's, but it's, not only that, you've also got, uh, you know, the print magazine and the online magazine and RV Daily and all that. And, and to produce quality content is not easy. It, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, I've been involved in that side of things as well. When I worked at Four Wheel Drive Action, um, I actually started not long after you left, funnily enough. Yes, and, yeah, yeah. Well, we were proud you were coming. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, and I actually did 12 months um, behind the scenes running Four Wheel Drive Action Magazine, and the pressure to create the content mm. is enormous. That's what's shame about magazines, and that's just the life of times. It was funny. I, I was talking to a couple of blokes yesterday, and I said, when was the last time anyone – no one sends Christmas cards anymore in this year, in this era of – yeah. You know, of you know, email and and, and in the internet, and that's had mm. a massive effect on on print, on print, you know, on print magazines. I mean, it's had a, an enormous effect on it. But you, yours has survived, and and is surviving. I, I could just imagine, you know, the amount of hard work that's going into that to keep that viable and to keep that magazine out there. And it's good because we know what'll happen. You go to the doctors one day, and there'll be iPads on the table in the waiting room. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, we've been lucky too with some of the you know, relationships with other businesses too. So if we were just relying on on our newsagent sales, um, uh, we wouldn't have a magazine anymore. But what we've um, managed to do because it's a you know we like to think it's a bit of a premium looking magazine. Um, Club Four by Four buys subscription for their policyholders, and and so um, as a result. Um, the magazine is is still kind of you know booming and read by you know over twenty two thousand people per per edition because mm. um, we we still sell it on the newsstand and we still have our subscribers but we've got some uh, yeah anyone from Club Four by Four that's got a policy there gets gets that magazine so you still got to be yeah you got to be obviously constantly moving in this digital media age. And, I better get and, onto um, them, mate. I've got I've got I've got three cars with Club Four by Four. I better get onto and find out where my magazine is. You should do, mate. No, Absolutely, Frosty. <laughs> I know, Frosty. You listen to this podcast. You're kidding, aren't you? Uh, come on, <laughs> Aiden. Lift your game, mate. Yeah, I do. Well, mate. look, I've, I've got a question, mate. This is going to be a yep. very difficult one to answer. So, twelve years of Pat Callan and Four by Four Adventures on TV. Um, yep. Prior to that, a fair bit of time at Four Wheel Drive Action. Over that yep, entire Four Wheel Drive period, Monthly back in my day, yeah, Monthly <laughs> even before that. That's right, and and obviously you did some stuff with uh, with Bush Bush Driver. Mate, yep. give me your your one standout highlight moment. Oh, one standout highlight. Jeez, um, bottled up over that um, period of you, time. Told you it'd be tough. That's <laughs> we ask the hard questions here, mate. <laughs> I reckon I can answer that for you. And, and, and to, from a business side of it, I reckon it was the time you had a. a I reckon it would have been. This is what I would think. If looking at it from a business, not personal, but from. Yeah. Where you are in business, I think it would have been the time a vehicle manufacturer said, mate, we want to get in with you. Here's a couple of vehicles. Kia. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah. No, you, yeah, that's a, that, yeah, you're exactly right, actually, Doug. That, that was incredible. Um, uh, yeah, that, uh, 
yeah, that that really sort of yeah. Set us all on of our a path. sudden, all of a sudden, you're not running the risk of trashing your own Land Rover every time yeah. you go out. And all of a sudden, you, like, you get the opportunity to trash somebody else's car. Th- this is real. Someone, someone, you know, of international standing believes in me. Yeah, that's right. Although there's a funny backstory to that one. So, first season of the show, Pat's got no other income. Um, it's all, um, uh, it's all, you know, reliant on, um, you know, the biggest sponsor we've ever had, and and they were paying me, you know, money as well as letting me use their cars and, and that sort of stuff. And um, but the check never came, and we're all scratching our heads and bringing up their accounts department. And early on in the relationship, you guys haven't paid us, and they're like, no, we have, no, we have. <laughs> and a couple of weeks later, we find um, uh, the biggest check that we'd ever received sitting underneath the trampoline at home in the backyard. <laughs> Our son has gone to pick up the mail, but he's decided to have a jump on the way through oh. and decided to leave, <laughs> leave his check oh, underneath no. the tramp. So we were just quietly going broke and yeah. uh, went, oh, what's this? Uh, oh, right. about, to, about to sell the cars that you were going to own. The, the snails had already taken a few chunks out of the biggest check we'd ever had. <laughs> oh, no. And, look, uh, here's another hard question. I want you to be honest here. When when you got Kia on board, did you think this is not my first choice? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, um, wasn't my first choice, um, and and it was tough for other partners like ARB who were like, yeah, would have been. Wow, well, we never thought of aligning with Kia because we only make, you know, uh, I don't, they didn't even make, you know, a suspension kit for yeah, them. All they made was a nudge bar, and yeah, that's right, they made a nudge bar and some lights, I think, and that, and that was about it. So. Um, but it was also pretty interesting that car because that's um, that car was funny. It had a um, you know Pajero chassis. Um, uh, it had a really great two and a half liter turbo diesel engine, and um, and it's um, oh, the the um, auto was out of a Patrol, and their and their back axle was like bigger than an eighty series. They're a weird park concoction of a car, and um, yeah, I suppose they. Um, weren't amazing in terms of you know brand alignment, but um, uh, but they did go places and um, uh, and yeah, I still thank them to this day that they helped us um, yeah kick off the show. That's um, yeah, amazingly still kicking over twelve years later. Mm, but, um, yeah, that's a yeah. good point, and it's all these people that you meet who support you on your journey. Yeah. Who may not be with you now, but who were and could come back in the par- in the future and that's right that's and things right. like that. So Absolutely. it's a good thing of a burn yeah. bridges. I mean, but so it's. Uh, but these people do help you, you know, on that journey. Just on that little thing too, Pat, just on a little bit of self-interest. Did I make the cut or did I make the cutting room floor at Trilby <laughs> Station? <laughs> so uh, for those who aren't aware, um, Zach and I ran into each other at Trilby Station when we were doing a Sailing River Run episode um, this season where we went from uh, basically Burke to the Big Red Bash. Um, so we, yeah, went, yeah, Tilpa, Louth and all these awesome stations, Dunlop Station, Trilby Station. And, and uh, yeah, we had a, an interview for the radio show there. And um, I'm very happy to say, mate, that you made the cut. Mate, can you just let me know what date that'll be on so I can IQ it? Yeah. No. And, and I'll be yeah, plug- I will tell you about that week. You'll be getting a lot of plugs on the uh, for the uh, television show on the and, radio. And Duck will keep an eye under the trampoline for the chat. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So it's two weeks' time. So this weekend is the... Um, uh, is our Sydney's best four wheel drive tracks um, episode? So that's yeah, Channel Ten at um, uh, two pm, um, followed by Foodie Trail straight after. And um, but yeah, the following week, um, yeah, we've got our Darling River Run episode where uh, 
where I run into into the duck, and um, and we have a nice uh, nice chat under the under the shade of the trees by the Darling River. And we actually that was an actual radio interview, so it's good. Technology is a wonderful thing. We actually yeah. that actually went to air on a hundred. Talk about cross promotion. It went on, well, mate, that went to air on hundred and eighty radio stations. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and then as well as podcasts, but that went. Uh, Went everywhere, and and isn't it good that you can sit there and do a radio program on the, on at a, on, a, on a camp table beside the Darling River? It's just amazing. So oh, brilliant, and yeah, crystal clear sound, and and uh, and I just love the authenticity of it. You know, you're not not faking it. You know, it's it's a real deal, and and you you're uh, you know managing to take your um uh you know take your work with you essentially and. And um, yeah, make it the real deal. I love it. But you won't hear me host any proper radio programs anytime soon, mate. <laughs> I can tell you, it's uh, it's fairly. I actually said that to a bloke who's a, a bit of a wheel in the industry, and I said, I, I said, I reckon at times I sound like shit. And he said, mate, it's good. He said, that's why you're on all these stations. And, you know, we're allowed to say shit on a podcast, Pat. By the way, we yeah. won't we won't let you say that because you no. you know you've got that squeaky clean image as where we're just a pair of. Vlog. <laughs> We're just two yobbos. I mean, this is, industry red, red, this is what we could call redneck radio. Don't worry about red uh, dirt podcast. I know Rico wants to ask you something. Yeah, mate, just, before just, we let you go. No, but before you ask him that, just one thing. You mentioned vehicle manufacturers. Yep. That, mate, the build on that on that Amarok, and you've got a great association with Amarok, and I think what you are doing for them, because I think when, 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 VW, when the Amaroks come out, people thought, oh, VW, how will that go? I think you've done a you've done a lot for their brand, and I remember Adam Harvey had to deal with them for a while when they first hit the road. He was just driving around in one, and people would see him and things like that. But yeah. what what you have done for Amrock is, in, they must be enormously grateful for because now you have shown people that you, they are a very capable four wheel driver. Mate, mate, I drive a Nissan. I own a Nissan. I, we've got three Nissans here and a Jeep and two Jeeps, but. At the end of the day, it's not a, it's not a plug for Amarok, but what you've done for their brand is is fantastic because it's shown people that they are capable. But the other thing is you've shown what you can do to them when you put a put a bit of money into it and put your head in, into it as well, put your mind to it because mate, that is probably one of the best four wheel drive modified modified builds I've ever seen. That that Amarok. Oh, thanks, mate. In, oh. Have you seen it, Rico? Well, you've stolen my thunder, mate. That was going to be my question. Was um, <laughs> you know, as as a car guy, first and foremost, um, mm-hmm. obviously, particularly with four wheel drives, you know, how good does it look, and and how's it been off road? Oh, mate, um, it's been so nice because uh, yeah, look, it's been a yeah an eleven month kind of project, and and yeah, we put a lot of time and effort into it, which um, yeah, it's part of the reason I'm I'm losing even more hair <laughs> at the moment. But now that it's uh, <laughs> Now that it's kind of wrapped up, I'm absolutely thrilled. And um, I think it sort of, yeah, solves some of those problems that you have in, in a dual cab vehicle where the weight's just too far backwards. And, um, you know, that preserves your turning circles and all that sort of stuff. But as soon as you extend that chassis, the ride's better. The, um, the handling's amazing. What, what blew me away is because, as you guys would appreciate, when you drive a, a four-wheel drive with 35s, um, especially Rico, you would really appreciate this most of the time. You know they look amazing, but they don't always handle like you can, <laughs> like they used to. Yeah. And uh, and putting thirty fives under this one, um, and it's one of the very few you know legal Amaroks in the country with thirty fives under it. It actually still really handles well, and and because of that extended wheelbase, you get a better ride, and you can throw more stuff in the back. And um, 
yeah, and what we've done there is kind of kind of nuts. I just uh, because we called it, you know, the documentary for ten, building the ultimate four by four. We had to do some silly stuff with it, so we've put a diesel heater into the rooftop tent, and and we've got um, yeah, crazy um, electrical system, four lithium batteries, three thousand watt inverter, um, and full red vision system, but. Probably the, the crowning glory that I like is um, is the um, fifty liter beer keg. <laughs> <laughs> You've got me. You're, I mean, so, uh, I win. <laughs> and uh, yeah, what's uh, even funnier about that? And, and because I've got bloody awesome sponsors, they've um, so what I what I've managed to do is um, I've put in a flow meter. Um, well, my friends at Red Arc have so that through the Red Vision app, so I, on my phone I can actually see how much beer is in my keg at any one time. Oh, <laughs> so if I'm, are you serious? If I'm running running low coming into Birdsville, I go, oh, well, I'm going to have to swap the kegs over at the pub and uh, now I'm ready to go over the desert. So. Oh, <laughs> good mate, well, so, mate, next trip I'm coming. Yeah. I'll just tag along. Yeah, I'll, I'll just tag along at the back, but I'll just make – I'll go be the barman. I'll tell you what, I'm really uh, looking forward to this documentary because anyone who's modified a four-wheel drive extensively knows that one modification always equals another couple to, to fix up the things that you've, you know, put out of place or out of whack. And like you said, fitting 35s is one thing. Making it work is a completely different kettle of fish. Um, so I, I can't wait to watch this. Yeah, good. no, cheers, mate. And, and uh, yeah, the, the, there's some really awesome stories behind it too. It's not just like, uh, you know, oh, look at this bloke, he gets free product and all that sort of stuff. It's sort of less about me, but often, uh, well, the, the main gist is a, a lot of these awesome companies that have helped us along the way um, and their stories and because they're quite interesting. They're not all big ARBs and Red Arcs and stuff. There's some um, awesome mum and dad businesses like Camp King and Net 4x4 mm. and and, uh, and some of the stories behind them we're, we're really fortunate to tell like um, uh, Net 4x4 who did all our suspension and and uh, cut our guards and did the body lifts and all that sort of stuff. Um it's run by a fellow called Mark Dernbauer, who runs out of his back shed at home. Um, he does that because he um, he's the primary carer for his daughter, who's got Rett syndrome. Um, so so he looks after her, and he doesn't want a massive business because um, he needs to be be there to, to care for her. But he has amazing workmanship. Um, uh, he also suffers from MS, and this guy's like building incredible vehicles and recovery points and all sorts of stuff They're out of his back shed at home um absolutely loves doing it and has all these other challenges in his life along the way so what a, what a great been, bloke what a yeah. sounds like a great oh, bloke see me some info on them pat we'll give him a bit of a rap on the radio as well i mean they're, they're oh, people they're people that need to be applauded mate too, you know right. yeah absolutely and yeah. the guys up at camp king you know making aussie make you know uh, rooftop tents with Aussie canvas and the engineering, the lines on them. I mean, that's the reason why the car looks good is because those guys have somehow managed to do what most canopy builders can't do and not made it look like a box on the back. They've yeah. actually given it, a, you know, some lines and, oh, and um, uh, yeah. Have you seen it close up? Have you, sorry, Pat. Have you seen it close yeah, up, Rico? No. Oh, no, mate, I'd mate. look at it at Perth. I'm, mate. I'm waiting for an invite. But it's something mate. else. I looked at it at Perth. The, the beer's cold in there. Come around now, mate. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you're not but, too far away. <laughs> well, you're exactly right. We're at Mayor. Well, you know where we are and we know where you are, Pat, which is only yeah. about, you know, oh, half an hour, yeah, 40 minutes. minutes yeah. It's not too far away from here. But, uh, no, well done, mate. Oh, I've got to say to you, too, I think you've – look, in all honesty, mate, and look, you're a mate of ours and, and we can say it without making it, you know, without embarrassing you. I think this year you've gone to another level. The branding, the re, the colour schemes, the way you've 
it's just another. It just all seems to be another level. You just haven't relied on what you think works and what's confident, what you're confident with. I think it's you've taken, you know, you've put them on the line a little bit, like with the build and the the change, the way things are looking, the new programs that you're putting into together, new programs. Yeah, yeah, look, thanks, mate. Look, yeah, really, really appreciate that because, um, yeah, it is a yeah. We, we are trying to keep things moving, but. It's, just really lovely that yeah you guys are they're actually yeah recognizing some of those changes well, so it's not hard to you notice. can't stay still in this game can you it's not hard to no, notice. You definitely can't stand still in this game mate and that's somebody else right. trying to ring me that's the great mark levy from radio tgb trying to ring me uh listen to the name dropping going on here mate I could, we, should, we could we could put him on oh, we could put him on we won't put him on. no we won't put him but on. um why would you do that to Levy? yeah so um uh, but no good stuff pat mate just before you go what do you do for christmas what does pat callan do for christmas um, mate, this time I'm I'm staying at home um, and uh, just uh, yeah, just relaxing. We're going to be working yeah right up to Christmas Eve um, to to get these last episodes out. So um, fingers crossed, I will have um, yeah we will have just about finished the documentary and and the TV show. So I'll be sitting at home around the pool and um, exercising my right hand on that beer tap in the back of my truck. I'm glad you said <laughs> I'm glad you said that beer tap in the back of the truck, Pat. And on that note, we'll probably. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, are you, Rico, before he goes, um, anything you want to add? No, nah, let's just get out of here before it gets any worse. All right, mate. Well, we'll leave you to get ready. <laughs> Thanks, mate. No, Pat, mate, again, well done. And, that, and, and, Pat, well done. And don't forget, uh, mate, I will be plugging the absolute shit out of the show that's on in two weeks' time when we bump, <laughs> it, <laughs> we bump at each other out there. That's no, it's good stuff, mate. That. Well done. It all looks good, mate. And like I said, I think, I think Rico, we both agree. We think you've taken it up a notch this year. It's quite noticeable. Oh, not thanks just, so much, not, but not really just, not just it. yeah, mate, not at all, and not just to us, but I think the people that are watching it and people that are seeing what's happening. And what one thing that people probably don't notice is that you're employing a lot of people while you're doing it as well. So. You said you didn't think there'd be a job in the four-wheel drive industry. You've probably created some, mate. So more than most. Good yeah. luck to you, mate, and we wish you well, and we wish you a merry Christmas. Awesome, thanks, fellas. Likewise, really appreciate it. Good on you, mate. And Cheers, mate. We'll catch up okay. soon. See you, mate. Cheers, fellas. Okay. And oh, and there he goes. There goes Pat Cullen. How good is he going? Oh, he's a champion bloke, mate. He's, he's a good so, bloke, isn't he? He he, he is genuine. He does, he's genuine. He does come across like Mister Squeaky Clean, but he's a real knockabout. He is. He, he's one of us, mate. Yeah. He's one of us. Yeah. He, he just... Um, That's probably not right, squeaky look, clean. He's I, a, but he's a real... I think he just does it better than most. He's a great presenter. He's very polished and he's right, yeah. he, He's in touch with it. The thing, and I mentioned it, and I've mentioned it to him privately too, is that he always... When you see these programs that are on, and, look, and some, of them are, you know, some of them are better than others, um, but with one thing they all have in common is that you can see, from our point of view, because we work in the industry, more so you when it comes to TV shows, is that they're away from their families a lot. We look at what Jason Simon do. They go away and do, I think they do it all in one hit, don't they? They do it, Jason Simon do it all in one hit. They're yeah. typically away for three to four months to create the season of that show, which yeah. is... Which I think it would even be longer than that at times. Uh, I've had a few chats with the boys around the campfire over the years, and that's yeah. typically what they tend to knock it over and in. Yeah. Um, with the Off-Road Adventure show, we used to do it in... Um, a variety of trips across the year so we could sort of because we're going to different places all around the country it's very different all for adventure where they're focusing on one part of the country mm. um obviously you need to go there at different times of the year for the season touring seasons and mm. you know you're not battling heat or snow and those sorts of things mm. um and you are away for a very long time and you do miss out 
on a lot of special things at home, you know, birthdays, anniversaries, mm. you know, kids' assemblies where they might be getting a special mm. award. Which brings me to my point. Uh, Pat has s- somehow involved his family a lot in it. You see episodes where he's got his kids in it. Yeah. But he's a young bloke on his L's doing yeah, well, the right. telegraph he's... track and things like that. Well, the think... young bloke's not that young anymore. No. I, I ran into him at Pat's, uh, at Pat's office Oh, a couple of months ago now, and I couldn't yeah. believe how big he's gotten. Yeah, well, I saw him. I'm sure him. Pat must be very, very proud of yeah. how he's going. Yeah, definitely. Well, I know that feeling. I mean, you know, I mean, oh, I you would. It. Yeah. I mean, I blink. I, I, I mean, I remember my young bloke, and I, you know, you close your eyes for a second. All of a sudden, he's he's a he's a bloke. He's a yeah. man. He's out doing it. He's he's making his own way. He's just thinking, shit. Where did all that I, time I think, go? I think anyone that's in that position where mm. you, where you've got kids that are you know coming of age and mm. they've gone and got their license and they're and they're there then following your passion, mm. it's got to be very rewarding and yeah. very satisfying. Yeah, I can only hope that my kids do the same. Yeah, they will. I mean, you know, and well, my young bloke wasn't hard because he travelled everywhere with me. Yeah. And as a young bloke, and, and we did a lot of trips on our own. When I say on our own, it was us and mates and, and, he, and his mother and sister, you know, stayed home. Uh, but we did a lot of trips. We did the Cape. We did a couple of trips to Birdsville. We did, it, we did a hell of a lot of things. And it was only natural for him to to do it. And now, like that. I said, he just got back now from a trip at Fraser with his mates, and he, he you know, he's already, you know, oh, I'm going to do this and do that, and we're going to pull some lockers out of a four wheel drive on the weekend yeah. and move them into back yeah, into that, that one, and, and and yeah, and that's how it works. Well, mate, so. I've said it before, and I'll say it again: get your kids into four wheel driving; mm. they will never have money for drugs and alcohol. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> good point. They it's do parenting done right. They certainly do. Spend, well, mate, I know he's starting to worry about it. Yeah, but um, but anyway, yeah, lockers aren't cheap, mate. Oh no! Well, he's already got the lockers. We put lockers in. in we put lockers in one. Lockers before and then lights. Swap, then swap the um, and bought another vehicle. So we're going to try. We're going to try and do a swap, so he doesn't lose those lockers. Because we're going to sell the old. Yeah. The, the no, old that's, that's the bumper sticker I'm going to get made up. Lockers before lights. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Fair enough. All right, mate. It was good to chat to Pat anyway. Oh, it was so. great to chat to Pat. Mm. I, w- I wouldn't mind doing that a little bit more going forward, is getting a few of these personalities on. Mm. They they make us sound good. They make us sound important. Do you reckon? Yeah. Oh, Pat's a big wheel. Yeah, Pat's a wheel. Yeah. There's plenty to think they're wheels. <laughs> Dolly wheels. Anyway. <laughs> um, mate, anything else, mate? I mean, uh, what's... No, nah, look, let's save something for next week, eh? What have we got? Nothing. We're, We're pretty much out of ideas. We've got a whole though. week to think about it. I'll tell you <laughs> what, I've got one for you. This is just something... Yesterday, I was, uh, as you know, I've had a few tradies working here, and I, I said to them, look, don't say anything to anybody because I, um, I'm not just going to leave them with this thought, right? I said, don't say anything to anybody, but I've got to hang some washing out. It's just not good for my image. And then I was like, oh, no, we do it too. <laughs> I just had a mental picture there that I so, could have done without. Well, I had the mental picture a minute ago of um, Pat exercising his right hand <laughs> on the beer tap. Um, but... Um, you know what I, I, I noticed as I hang as I hung the clothes out, and I've noticed it before. You notice how pegs come in all different colours. Do they? They come in orange ones. I'll go out there now. There's a basket of pegs out. There's a basket yeah. of pegs out there. This is this is what we've sunk to now, is it? Yellow, pink, blue, black. Wow. There's no orange pegs, so I'm calling on the um, peg, peg manufacturers. Industry? Make some orange ones. The peg industry. The peg. <laughs> Fair dinkum. I've got to tell you one thing too. They don't well, last as long as they used to. Welcome to the pigs? welcome to the bottom of the barrel of content. Not the bottom of the barrel. It at is all. That's absolutely. What people love. They love entertainment and passion and colour, mate. And that's what they're, they're here for. Four wheel driving in the outdoors, not your bloody pegs. Anyway, no, but they would notice that. Well, you don't think they wash their clothes? People that go 
follow us or people that will go and watch TV shows or go Orange, forward Orange, driving what they don't Orange hang their clothes they don't hang their clothes yet. Good on your Stan Grant. This is the hard hitting stuff. Make some orange pegs. <laughs> I told you we're going to get controversial on this oh, show. I'll tell you what, we're going to get some emails now. Don't forget, you can email us through the week anytime you like. You can email us. Just go to a new email. Just go to bluecollarmedia.com.au. Click on contact, and that we'll get that email and respond to that. Any uh, anything you'd like to discuss with us or anything you might want us to bring up, we can do that for you. And just a reminder too for those of you that have been emailing me for the last two weeks, in particular the last week. Rico has um, a new project up and coming soon, and he will tell you all about that as we will here. Uh, and uh, but yes, Rico doesn't feel uh, new anymore. I've been working on it all year. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> it, so that's the thing. So for those of you that have been emailing, um, that that's the answer for you. I'm I cannot respond to all those on behalf of Rico, but he has got a new project coming, and we'll tell you all about that as soon as we can. And and certainly keep an eye on Rico's Facebook page for any updates there. Um, but by, like I said, if you could email me at anything else, you could email me that as well. You might as well join the others. But uh, email, just go to bluecollarmedia.com.au, click on contact. You can also catch all of our podcasts there as well at the same website. Just go to uh, bluecollarmedia.com.au and click on podcasts and all the podcasts for uh, Rico and I will come up as well as the podcast for the Camping and Off-Road Radio Show. You'll see a, lot, a stack of podcasts there as well. So you can certainly uh, get your podcast fixed all at the website um, right there. But like I said, email us anytime and we will respond to those emails. Bluecollarmedia.com.au and click on contact. Rico, another big week, done and dusted. Another big week, mate. I'm looking forward to all the emails telling us about what colour pegs people have got in their baskets. Well, mate, if you've got orange pegs... I'm send just it. gobsmacked. Well, mate, if you've got orange pegs, send me a photo of it and tell me where you got them from. I've got orange pegs. Have you? They're well, all... Well, my peg basket is all one colour and they're all orange. I'm talking about the multi-coloured ones. They don't throw orange ones in there. No, no, they don't. No, red, right. white, blue, pink. Yellow. Even black now. Oh, really? Yeah. But you know what? Pegs don't last like they used to. They, they snap. <laughs> Let's move on. Well, I'm serious. Get a dryer. I've got a dryer, but I mean, mate, I like to hang them out naturally, like other things. So they smell like smoke. Yeah, exactly. They would here. <laughs> oh, they would here. It's actually not too bad today. Geez, we've had some uh, some, uh, some smoky days here, as has all of Sydney, and we know that, but we're a little bit closer to the action here. And we're in the zone here, Rico. I have got a notice on the right. phone the other day, within 15 kilometres now of yeah. the fire. And uh, I noticed, I saw a video this morning before we go, your mate, we, we mentioned his four-wheel drive park up the Putty Road. We'll get him on next week for a chat. Yeah, uh, mate, Jamie. I saw a video. Check his Facebook page out. What's he called? Um, TJ's Forby Park. Yeah, well, mate, he's copped it. Yeah, oh, he would have. Yeah, he copped it. He was right up there, and he's got a, a certain amount of damage. And I saw a uh, a video post this morning where he was struggling to get into his property. Yeah, he well, he, sure he's actually put a shout so. out looking for a bit of help to go and help clear yeah. the entrance to get back in there. Yeah, and, uh, mate, so for people that have been affected by the fires... Being affected by the smoke is one thing, and sure, it's not pleasant and certainly not healthy, but um, uh, spare yeah. a thought for those people that are a lot closer to the action than we are. Yeah, thoughts are with you. Yeah, and well done to you and to those people that are supporting those people as well. And we did mention that earlier, people that turn up with food and drinks and other things, and we'll even just turn up with well wishes and bip the horn if you drive past a rural fire station. You know, I mean, yeah, uh, it all helps because these people aren't doing it for money. They actually are doing it for love and help. Yeah, that's with right. With that 
sense of you goodwill, know goodwill, community spirit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, sense so, of duty. Absolutely. All right, mate. Well, that'd be us, I reckon. I reckon so. Um, mate, any big plans for the weekend? Uh, I've got a few things on actually. Yeah. 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 Not, not not prepared to name names here or. Let me have a thing. I've got to remember what it is. Oh, I'm going up to see the old man. Actually, it's tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're going to do a bit of a Christmas thing with the family up there in Newcastle. All right, we'll get ready. I'm doing a bit of painting this weekend, so... Look out. Rembrandt. No, no not, that, not that sort of painting. <laughs> All right, that is the Red Dirt Podcast this week. It's been a beauty. We certainly do thank you for tuning in to us. Don't forget, you can email us anytime, bluecollarmedia.com.au. Click on contact, and certainly we'll reply to those emails. In the meantime, if you happen to see us anywhere, make sure you come up. And say good day. We're back to do it again next week. See you then.